manufacturing. Okay. But it should be coming out uh, at the end of, at the end of beginning of March. So definitely have that out. Well, Dave, how you doing? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Really good. And, uh, and so I'm really excited about this topic today um, because one, you're my friend. I get to interview my friend um, in a way I'm going to interview you today. We talked about that, but right. more importantly, Dave, I have had the benefit firsthand benefit of seeing you grow and, and, you know, I, whether I had a hand in it by being a friend, you know, and us working together, I don't know. Right. But you've done a great job and you've come a long way. And I think so many uh, can benefit from the knowledge that you've gained over the years. And so one of the things about No Law Firm Left Behind, we're trying to help law firms, lawyers just improve their their practice of law from a business perspective, you know. I can't teach about the law, right? That's not me. That's maybe you, Dave, you know, you can maybe one day talk about that. But, um, but Dave, I saw you start out as a, as a, you know, a a young lawyer pup, right? Okay. Uh, Practicing at some pretty prestigious places. You, you know, Mm -hmm. you want to mention anything? It's on your LinkedIn. I I started off at uh, what was Dinsmore and Shoal. Um, I think they just go by Dinsmore now. And the, even, even back then, they were the largest Cincinnati-based, you know, Cincinnati headquartered law firm. And, you know, uh, they've grown exponentially even since then. But I was in a tax probate and estate planning group there. After being at the large firm, I went to a very white glove tax litigation yeah. boutique from there. And that's actually where we met. And, um, you know, the, the guy that I worked with there, uh, Steve Robison, he, um, is really one of the top folks in the Cincinnati area, as far as tax litigation and 1031 exchanges and stuff like that goes. Um, that's where we met. And you know, there. you learned something really important from Steve Robison. You told me that he's an incredible marketer. Absolutely. Um, he's one of the top marketing attorneys that I've ever yeah. met. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the, and I'm not going to give away any of his uh, tricks Don't specifically, um, but some of the stuff he did was, would, would have been considered so old school, but it was so effective. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing that I'm going to talk about today, uh, got started with my time with Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that. It's actually the first thing that I'm going to talk about is something I learned from him originally. Now, I think, so we met uh, when you were at Steve's and you said, hey, I love this technology stuff for lawyers and, you know, I want to learn all about it. And mm-hmm. probably a it's great because it, it helped you develop the practice that you're in right now. Okay. Yes. But there was an ancillary benefit to it that neither of us ever anticipated. And that's being able to see a different side of the law practice, right? And so many of them. So, you know, I'm sure that there were a lot of lessons there. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that I like to explain to people is that I didn't come up with any of this secret sauce on my own. I've been fortunate over the last 15 years to be in and out of hundreds of different law firms and 
I've seen so many things that work and I've seen so many things that don't work. I've seen things that work in situation A, but not in situation B. And so I've been fortunate enough that I've had a, you know, I, I like to consider, you know, 15 years of, you know, like legal specific MBA training in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so to really be able to refine the business, you know, my understanding of the business of law over that time um, has been just something that could not have been achieved any other way. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You no, know? It, it is amazing the experience you garnered. And so now that I'm back in the practice of law, mm-hmm. you know, with both feet and exclusively, I'm really drawing on those 15 years yeah. of all the other things that, you know, not just me, you and I have seen that works and that doesn't. I know. You know, so. and, and It's been a fantastic what, journey. It's been a fantastic journey. Oh, it really has. Um, you know, and so it, it um, has been a privilege to be able to do this for all these years. And so what I'm hoping to do, and I I think, you know, the topic for today's show is of all the things that I've seen, what are the five biggest that I'm using myself to grow my practice and that I'm going to share with other people today to help them grow their practice, whatever that practice might be. Yeah. And Dave and I talked about this ahead of time. Um, And so Dave, we talked about this and Dave's got a list. It's a great list. By the way, it's not the only thing, but it's at least the most important, one of some of the most important five, right? And so everybody says you should do this, right, Dave? I mean, everybody says you should do this stuff, okay? But there's always those attorneys or or owners or of of law practices that say, I can't. I can't, right? For this reason or the other. And so Dave's going to talk about these five things. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be the naysayer because I've heard them too, right? Yep. We, we hear them all the time. You know, we might be technology and security guys here at Splice, but we get involved and we like to help our, our law practices grow in any way that we can. And so I'm going to be the naysayer. Dave's going to talk about the thing. Right. And, you know, so Dave, let's just get right into it. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what the unique twist is going to be is that, you know, any, any, any law firm consultant is going to come in and there, it is, what I'm saying here, it's not rocket science. These are just the five that to me make the biggest impact for me. And so we're going to jump right to number one. And it's what I mentioned earlier that I learned when I was with Steve Robinson was you have to niche. Okay. And when I was with Steve, I remember that he made one specific statement to me when I went to him and somebody had come to me and they had said, hey, would you guys be able to handle this? It's kind of in your area, but it's not exactly tax litigation. And I said, you know, I went, let, let me check and make sure. And I went and I told Steve, I'm like, hey, I might have a new client. And he sat me down and he said, all right, we got to talk about this. He's like, that's fine that you have somebody that wants to, you know, give you money, but it's not exactly what we do. And then he looked at me and he said this statement and, and it, it still rings true to me today. He's like, I would rather lay down on the floor and take a nap than to do 
legal work that's outside of what my niche is. Yeah. Even if I'm going to get paid for it. And Dave, go ahead. I'm sorry. That struck me. And so, you know, to this day, it's literally, you've got to find your niche. Where are you going to live in this whole world in in the practice of law? The days of the generalist are gone. What are you going to be? What's your little world that you're going to own? And in the naysayer in me, Dave, I, I can't do that. First off, always, I'm, I'm, you know, the naysayer is going to, the person that doesn't have their mind open right this very minute is saying, I can't do that. Can you imagine all of the, all of the, the, the clients that I'll be turning down if I did something crazy like that? Mm-hmm. You know, we're a full service law firm and we have to be that way, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So if you say that you can do everything for everyone or anything for anyone, then you're going to be very, very inefficient in the first place because you're going to be spending so much time learning things um, that you're not going to be able to provide a whole lot of value in a short amount of time. So while you might be getting paid, the rate that you're actually earning things is a fraction of what you should be getting paid if you were to niche within an area. You know, the other thing is, is that when you say, oh, I can't do that, my practice has got to be full service, Um, whether that means full service across a bunch of different practice areas or whether it means I have to deal with all of these different topics within my practice area, take like a domestic relations attorney or something like that. You know, I have to do divorces. I have to do custody. I have to do, you know, post-dissolution, you know, things. I have to do all these different things. Well, yeah, that might be true. And you can still do all of those things. But do you have to do it for everybody? Mm -hmm. A niche doesn't have to necessarily even be within a certain practice area. Yeah. It could be within a certain market segment. A a demographic. Mm -hmm. Yep. You got. You know, I mean, you could be a general business attorney and have to handle everything from, you know, article, you know, organizing an LLC to handling an M and A deal where somebody comes in and buys your company from you. You know, cradle to grave. And a niche, um, could be, a niche could be. I only deal with wealthy retirees. You know, that's exactly, a and exactly. I do everything for them. But that's my niche, right? Yep. And I, I have become knowledgeable in all things wealthy retiree related. You have, if you're yeah. under the age of 65, if you're under a net worth yeah. of 5 million, I, I don't know what the stuff that applies that's to your niche. That's not that's what I do. I, another niche is I represent people that cannot afford representation. Exactly. That's a niche. You know, yep. that's a niche. Underprivileged. So Dave, yep. number two. Number two, you have to market. Ooh. Okay. Now, you, we in the legal field, we like to, you know, we don't like to call it marketing. A lot of times we'll just call it business development. Okay. Um, but both number two and number three both fall under business development, but they're very different mm-hmm. things. Marketing is something that has to be done. It's this whole, you know, you can't hide your light under a bushel barrel, right? Um, you could be fantastic. You could be, you know, the nichiest person in the world, but if nobody knows what you do, Nobody's going to come to you. You're not going to generate business that way. You have to get your name out there somehow. Now, you know, 
no law firm left behind started as a response to COVID. And a lot of the marketing things that are taking place these days are still being impacted. You know, I used to love, love, I used to travel the country doing presentation, in-person presentations. You know, we, how many different places have we been through the years, Jim, where we would be in front of anywhere from a dozen people to, to 300 people. Yeah. 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 You know, in a, in a room. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's not the world we live in anymore. You know, now, even if we try to do things in person, even if people aren't worried about health reasons, people love just signing onto a webinar now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but you still have to do it and it changes the dynamic. And, you know, you have to learn how to market in a predominantly remote virtual environment these days. And so if you're not spending time figuring out how to market without being in person, without Without going to in-person networking events, without going to in-person seminars, you're going to struggle. So you got to learn how to do that digital marketing. Dave, uh, listen, this marketing thing, I've got a website. It doesn't do me any good at all. No one ever calls me for my website. Facebook, we got a Facebook page. We got a LinkedIn page. I mean, I got this. I'm doing the marketing stuff, Dave. Yeah. What are you doing on there? That's what I would ask you. Are you actually interacting with people? Are you actually providing new things of value on a constant basis? If you've got what I like to call a postcard website, which means it just sits there and, you know, it's like a postcard in a a souvenir shop. um, You're only going to have luck if somebody stumbles upon it. Okay. How are you going to get that out in front of people's faces? Well, social media is a great way to do that, but you have to actually interact with people. You got to hustle. You got to do, you do. You you have you to do the podcast. You got to do live streams. You know, you, you got to add value. Right? You got to con, you know, create content. Give people a reason to care about your existence. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, it's the, it's the, it's really not the new post COVID. I mean, this was this way beforehand, but it's even more so right now. People are making so yeah. I mean, no, you're absolutely right. You know, one of the things is a lot of the social ne- social media, social networking, social marketing, all that stuff. It's been around many many years before COVID. The difference was is that you still had an avenue to do it old school pre COVID. Mm-hmm. That got slammed shut. And a lot of people who got used to saying, I don't want to go to an in-person seminar. I'd rather just wake up, roll out of bed and turn on my computer and and, instead of driving a half hour, you know, in traffic or in the snow or whatever. Um, And now they don't want to go back. Nope. Nope. All right. We got to move on. We got number three. Number three. In conjunction with marketing, you have to turn around and you have to eventually sell. And I know. You didn't just selling. Say, you didn't say that word. Tell me you didn't say that. Word. Yep. <laughs> so on. you have to sell, but and I know a lot of people, a lot of a lot of attorneys in particular think that the word sale and selling is a dirty word, but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact of the matter is that most people, when they think of selling, they think of it the wrong way. So what you need to do as an attorney is you need to refocus your concept of selling. If you have a product, which is your services, and you believe in your product that it actually is solving a problem for somebody, 
then when you identify somebody that has the problem that your service can solve, you should feel excited and happy to convince them to use your service and to use your solution because you're taking away a problem. You're not trying to manipulate people in the sales process. You're not trying to, you know, just get somebody's money for nothing. It's not the idea. The idea is that if you've got something that solves a problem for somebody, you need to find a way to convince them to solve their problem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's how I think most lawyers should look at the sales process. It's about making sure that somebody helps themselves. Dave, you know what? I, I, I'm I'm not an attorney, but I did sleep on a Holiday Inn Express last night. And so I'm playing an attorney on our show today. (laughs) (laughs) And I have credence to do so now. But no, in all honesty, Dave, I went to law school, you know, and I've been practicing for, you know, 10 years now. And and honestly, selling, really, I'm a lawyer. Come on. Do I, should I really have to sell? You know, shouldn't all my, you know, plaques on the wall sell for me? Nope. Nope. Because the thing is is that people buy solutions. People buy people. Mm -hmm. Okay. People don't buy plaques Mm -hmm. on the wall. It might get your foot in the door somewhere. Your credentials might get you a seat at a table. But the the reality is that if you can't show somebody that what you're offering helps them, then they don't have any reason to act. Yeah. Okay. I, and, and I'm going to add to this one, actually, not yeah. from a naysayer perspective, but from a process perspective, you should have a documented sales process, an agenda that you follow, right? When you get an opportunity that somebody knocks on the door, somebody calls, somebody fills out a web form, it should be strike while the iron's hot as fast as possible, you know, once they've raised their hand and communicated to you. Everything should be obviously very ethical, you know, very appropriately ethical. Yep. Um, but at the same time, you need to realize that you have to have a process, build rapport, build trust, give them reason to believe I'm an expert in my area, you know, so on and so forth, all the way through the sales cycle. And it should be documented, a documented sales process. Yep. Without Absolutely. Yeah. And it's repeatable and it helps with what we're going to talk about last, actually. So next, Dave. Number four, communicate, communicate, communicate. And this is communicating both with with, I mean, it means communicating with prospects. It means communicating with clients. It means communicating with former clients. It means communicating with people that you work with. Um, today, the reality is there's a lot of self-service options out there for people. There are a lot of artificially intelligent options out there for people. If somebody's really just looking for a set of documents or somebody's just looking for just an answer. They don't need you as a person. There are other ways, much less expensive ways than going to an actual living, breathing attorney. Um, the reality is that you're going to be successful if you can add that personal aspect to things. And that only comes through communicating with people, understanding them, talking to them, making sure that what they think they need is what they really do need. And This is from the very initial contact all the way through the end of some representation and even beyond. Hey, I'm just following up a year later. Make sure everything's okay. Mm -hmm. People like that. People want to feel that if their service providers care about them on some level. So, you know, 
communication is key. Yeah, you know, and so here I am naysayer, right, Dave? Mm -hmm. You know, I've got staff that should be talking to my clients. I'm too busy, you know? I'm the one that's got to churn out the work. I don't have time to communicate and answer simple little questions. I have staff for that reason, you know? Um, I got people for this. I'm just too busy. Yep. So it matters that it comes from you because you are almost always the reason why somebody does business with you or does business with your firm is not just because your firm It's because they like the person that they work with. And if you're insistent on not communicating with them, you're going to lose that personal relationship. And when people do business with people, if you de- try to delegate that relationship, you're going to lose that client. We're in, not very, in the first place. We're in a very touchy, feely, you know, emotional envi- society right now. Okay, mm-hmm. and it your your practice of law is not medicinal and antiseptic. You know what I mean? Right. It can't be sterile. It has to be. You know, you got the, the most important job an attorney has to do, in my opinion, is to make a, their client feel like they're the most important thing they've got going on. They make it feel like I care about you and I'm going to take care of you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And finally, as we as we come to the last one. Finally, and you sort of touched on this already in the sales yeah. documented sales yeah. process, as well as the comment, I have people for that. Yeah. You got to learn how to properly delegate. And that means you need to understand what you should delegate. And that always starts with, you know, a a more basic question. What is the most important thing you should be doing? So I want to flip what you said about the communication piece on its head for a second. A lot of attorneys think that the most important thing that they do is churn out documents or find an answer. No, no. In reality, the most important thing that most attorneys do is make their clients feel comfortable and cared about, that they're going to be being taken care of. They don't care behind the scenes how it happens. They just want to know that it's getting taken care of. So as an attorney, your most important responsibility, the thing that is the most important thing for you is to make your clients feel cared about and to make your clients feel assured that you're working in their best interest and you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that they're taken care of. That means that anything else is actually secondary. So you have to find things that you might feel are important that other people could do. Even if you might be able to do it better than them, it doesn't mean that you should. I always give this example. You know, my wife is a, a nurse, Okay. She has the ability to go in and um, give immunizations to people. You know, she can give shots to people. She didn't. They had medical assistance, and I'm probably butchering the titles or whatnot. But there were other people that gave the shots. Not that she couldn't. It's that she had other things that she had to do that an MA couldn't do. Mm-hmm. And so she had to spend her time doing the things that she was best suited for, even if she could do something that someone else was capable of doing. You know, and we have to take the exact same mentality in the legal field. If there's something that I can do 
that somebody else can't. I need to focus my time on that. Even if I could also do what this other person's going to do, even if I could do it better. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you need to be doing it. Dave, I'm telling you, my clients want me. They come to my firm because of me. They mm-hmm. don't want another attorney there. They don't want my paralegal or legal secretaries working with them. They want me. Right. No. But the thing is, is that oftentimes that's a misinterpreted mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. I actually agree with that idea. Yeah, you're right. Most clients do want you as the attorney. They trust you. They have faith in you. You've taken care of them in the past. Um, it doesn't mean you have to do everything for them. It means that you have to be responsible for them. Yeah. So when you delegate something, you're not abdicating it. That's the word I was responsible for it. That's right. Okay. And so to properly delegate, you need to make sure that whatever is being delegated is being done correctly. And so you're still ultimately responsible, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean you actually have to physically do it all. Dave, that delegate one is the most important one of the five that we talked about today. And it's because if you don't do that one, becoming niche mark, becoming a niche, right? Niching or marketing or selling or the communication, all of those are not going to be able to be done because you're not delegating appropriately. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think the delegate yep. was the most important one. Yep. It's all about scale. Yeah, I agree. Dave, this was fantastic. I really appreciate it. I'm going to throw up a, uh, this is our group, No Law Firm Left Behind on LinkedIn. Dave's a member. I'm a member. We post to it. We'd love for you to join it. Uh, if you can't get down the uh, the URL, uh, just go to uh, LinkedIn and search No Law Firm Left Behind and you'll find the group. So um, also be sure if you uh, if you want to if you haven't catched us on live stream, you don't have time. You can go to Linktree and slash SpliceNet and find our shows on all podcast platforms like uh, iTunes, Spotify, um, man, it's all over the place, right? Pandora, iHeartRadio. And so, Dave, great topic. Really appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. Oh, it was to me. It was like almost, um, almost like it was exciting because it's like kind of like the finality of of your, you know, of our relationship. Although we're not done, we got a long way to go. You know what I mean? It's, I know exactly it's what you mean. Yep. In which you can now really give back to the attorneys like, right. like never before, right? Never before. So yep. great. Well, thanks a lot, everyone. Thank, Thank you, you, Dave. Talk to everyone, and Have see you next week. Tuesday at ten thirty Eastern. Take care. Take care, everyone.